Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. All right, we're back. What's up, man? Nothing much. Um, I'd say uh, doing better than I thought coming back from weekend from Las Vegas. So <laughs> that kind of <laughs> wild weekend in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't too wild. It was fun. It was uh, we we drove Friday, and I took up most of the day, and then we went to a concert that night, and then uh, the next day was pretty chill. Woke up late. Um, played some poker, got some dinner, hung out with the family, um, Sunday, got some breakfast and then left and then spent pretty much all day driving. Cause there was a ton of traffic. I should have known. Definitely going to fly that oh, next yeah. time. It's, uh, it's deceivingly far, I would say. Cause you're like, Oh, I'll just shoot to, to LA and then like across Las Vegas. But like, no, when we, when we <laughs> drove back, it was stop and go traffic all the way from Las Vegas to the California border. It was like an hour and a half of just like, you know, five miles per hour, bumper to bumper, stop and go. Um, but overall, it was fun. It was a good time. That's cool. Yeah, I've never done the drive to Vegas. I've I've always flown from here. It was it was my first time there actually. Like in the strip, I've kind of like passed through like to the Hoover Dam once. Um, but my first time, like actually in Vegas, and oh, uh, okay, it was fun. I liked it. it was, uh, yeah, not too bad. Vegas is fun. Yeah, definitely a fan. I uh, I had high hopes for my my poker game, and uh, we'll just say that I paid about a hundred <laughs> and something bucks to play, <laughs> which over the course of several hours was not a, a high price to pay. I was doing so well until the very last night and I was like, Oh, let me just play one more time. I'll re- I'd regret playing again. You know, it's my, my one chance to play a bunch of live poker and absolutely bombed. Like the worst session I've ever played. Not because I did anything wrong. I think I actually played like really technically sound, but just like the worst streaks. Um, and a couple of hard lessons with, uh, <clears throat> some more experienced poker players. And there was one, in fact, the whole thing that was like kind of encapsulated, you know, it was my first time playing live poker, but, uh, apparently maybe it was just like a dealer by a dealer thing. But if you even like include the word check in your sentence, then they take that as that you're checking. So I had made a, a monster hand, a flush. There was like a straight draw out there. There were two people betting into me and, uh, I was second to act and the person in front of me uh you were at the river at the last card and she was all like looked at both of us and was like check all around and i was like like check i'm not checking like that and then the dealer was all check and i was like no no no, i'm not checking like i'm i want to bet he's like i'm sorry sir you said check it's like what like is that i was like seriously is that i looked at the other part i was like uh like are you okay if i bet like i was planning on betting like now it's like this really awkward like Oh, it's obvious God. I have like a good hand, but you know, I wanted to bet and, and he was, and so then, then the next guy last to act, he was like grabbing his chips about to make a big bet. Uh, and I knew I had him beat. I had the best hand at the nuts possible. And, um, and then he looked at me and was like, yeah, I guess I'll check. And then I turned <laughs> my cards and I basically went like the minimum of what I could have. It was still a pretty sizable hand, but, um, but I was down a bunch and that would have like maybe go up. A whole bunch so overall uh, a loss for the weekend which is a bummer yeah but could have been worse <laughs> lesson learned <laughs> lesson learned lesson learned never say check unless you meant <laughs> unless you really mean check but uh yeah. yeah what about you how was your weekend it was good uh we let's see what did we do yesterday we went to a pumpkin patch <laughs> my my, oh, my nice. vegas days behind me and now uh you know, <laughs> pumpkin patch on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it, it was good. Uh, it was actually, it, it was cool. We, we were going to go to one that was like an hour away and traffic was pretty bad. And my son was just not having much fun in the car, um, as he sometimes 
can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we just pulled off on a random exit. We were going to turn around and go home. And there just happened to be like a really great pumpkin patch on this exit as well. Uh, oh, wow. So, yeah, they had like sunflower fields and like all this stuff going on there. So it really worked out nicely. That's awesome. Which one is it? Uh, I don't even remember the name of it. It was just uh, just some exit on off the 15. <laughs> huh, okay. Oh, you were yeah. going to go further north to another pumpkin patch? Yeah, we were going uh, like an hour north. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, I love yeah, pumpkin patches. One time. of my friends actually, his family has a pumpkin patch slash dairy farm out in uh, out east in Lakeside. Mm. So been there a whole bunch of times. And uh, it's a fun like place to go, thing to do. Especially, yeah. Yeah, I would guess, when you have kids now. You know, now that we're a yeah. bit older, it's not <laughs> not as many things to do. But <laughs> if you have kids, it sounds like a hoot. Yeah, it's uh, it's just fun doing like more, I don't know, festive type stuff, holiday type stuff and uh, taking pictures and whatnot. So, yeah, we had a good time. Yeah, and the end of the year is right around the corner. We're like at that spot now where it's just like, all right, next up is Halloween, then it's Thanksgiving, then it's Christmas, and then that's a wrap. Yeah. And uh it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> what about um the last I guess it's sort of been like two weeks since we recorded because we skipped last week. So what's new since then? How things been going? Yeah, it's it's funny. Whenever we skip a week, it it feels like it's been a lot longer, like it's been like a month or something right. since we've talked. <laughs> it feels like there's a ton to catch up on. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, it's been it's been an interesting month. It's you know, we skipped last week uh at my request and I appreciate that. It was just like I was not uh not in a good spot to record. Um so this this month has been challenging. There's there's just been a lot of things happening in my personal life. Um you know, I I I was starting to feel very overwhelmed. It was just like one thing after another uh kind of stacking and uh, I would say over the last week, uh, a lot of things have started to resolve themselves or, or become resolved, which has been good. Um, and so I've been able to, uh, yeah, just kind of get in a better place and, and get some focus back. And, um, yeah, so that, that, that was a challenge, but things are, are looking up now, which is good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's tough getting kind of um sidetracked uh what's the right word i'm looking for um you know it's hard to work when there's other stuff going on it's just you know you can't really like i feel like especially for type of work that we do ish you know not that i program or in the same spot but you know more like knowledge work quote unquote if you want to call it that just using your brain and like when your brain is cloudy then obviously (laughs) you're not gonna be able to do (laughs) You're not going to be at a hundred percent. Um, so I get that. Yeah. It's definitely become clear to me that at least for me, like family stuff very much takes priority over work stuff. Um, which is, which is good as it should. Yeah. It's, it's also like then after that happens, then I start feeling guilty about, you know, I don't know, just, it, it's hard. It's hard when there are people relying on your business and, you know, uh, just to, just to keep things going and keep things moving forward, whether that's for customers, for, uh, you know, employees or, or contractors or whoever. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I kind of got through that period and, um, uh, I would say the latter half of last week was actually really good. Uh, there, there, I, I just like woke up one morning and I was like, I don't really have a clear sense as to where JetBoost is headed right now. Um, cause we kind of like just got over a major feature release and, um, you know, I just was like, if I don't know where things are headed, then I'm sure nobody else on the team like has any clue. Mm, right. Uh, and so I brought that up and everyone was like, yeah, like it's, you know, it's not that clear. Um, and so we ended up planning like a Q4 roadmap meeting, uh, 
to talk about like the, the roadmap for marketing, the roadmap for product. Um, so we did that at the end of last week and we only went, we actually only did the marketing part so far, uh, cause it took about an hour and a half. Uh, but man, it was just like a really good meeting to like lay all that out. Like here's all the, you know, list of things that we've talked about ideas we've had. Here's what we think we can actually do and prioritize for, you know, the rest of the year, basically. Um, and everyone's like excited about that now. Like I'm excited about it. The team's excited about it. Yeah. The, yeah. you know, it's, it's just like, okay, now we have the list of things to do. Like, let's just go do it. And that feels really, really good. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That's awesome. I always, that was one of my favorite parts of, uh, being at Cordial or at Bear Metrics was the planning part. And then like feeling like all the different teams and departments are sort of, you know, moving in sync together and, we can all kind of rally a little bit behind a vision for these next things coming up and stuff. motivating. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, this year it's definitely been a learning phase for me as far as working with other people on jet boost and, um, how to, yeah, just how to, to manage things and set expectations and, uh, it was cool too, because like the, the meeting I explicitly said, like, this is not going to be me dictating what we do. Like, let's all have a discussion and figure it out together. And, um, I think that went over really well. Yeah. Do you find that, um, everyone is sort of, uh, willing or eager to kind of like chime in or do you sort of have to parse it out a little bit or give people time to think and brainstorm? Or did it feel like everyone sort of had things that were on their mind or just ideas they they wanted to flesh out already? Yeah. So we've done a couple of planning meetings kind of like this. Um, this, this is the first time we've done like a roadmap meeting, but some of the other ones have been around like how um, certain features or UI uh, designs might work. Uh, and what I like to do every time before a meeting like that is is say, okay, we're going to do this in you know, uh, let's say we're going to do it in two days. Everyone can kind of like have some time to think about it, you know, put their own list of ideas together first, and then we'll all come together and, uh, and have the meeting then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the best. Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. I was asking because I feel like if you just sort of jump into it right away, people might not feel like they have everything top of mind or it might just be sort of like recency bias of here, like the things that I've heard the most recently or I experienced the most recently, or just like <laughs> the idea that you last wrote down. But if you actually like go back and sort through everything, or if you have people or if people kind of have the self, um, uh, like they, they basically have been already collecting thoughts and ideas to present at some point, you know, then it makes life a lot easier. Yeah. And I'm like one of the worst when it comes to recency bias. Like I'm always just mm. jumping into whatever the most recent thing is. Uh, that's really been a challenge for me. And uh, yeah, Noah kind of pointed that out. He was like, you know, one of the biggest challenges with a roadmap is actually sticking to it. Uh, and obviously, you know, this is not written in stone. Things can change. Um, but the goal is to, you know, especially for me, I feel like, uh, uh, yeah, I, I feel like it, it gives me some accountability uh, to not jump into whatever the most recent thing is. Like, all right, here's this roadmap. We talk, we're we planning to talk about it every week uh, in our meetings, go over where we're at. And, <laughs> you know, if I spent the week just uh, going down some rabbit hole on, on some other random thing, it's like I have to explain that now. So, right, right. Yeah, I think that's one of the, such a tricky kind of balance because at least from my experience, it can be almost like a little bit demoralizing when you spend all the time planning and you get excited, you feel like you're all on like on the same page. And then if you start like deviating, deviating from that a little bit and then everyone else does, then like you can lose that sense of being in sync and on the same page like very quickly. And then like you're not mm-hmm. excited as excited for the next one because you're like, well, what's it? gonna matter like we're just gonna change it anyways Um, right obviously you want to be flexible and you want to like uh account for things that maybe should be 
replaced or changed or there's always things you can't account for. Um, but yeah, there's something to be said about also sticking to your roadmap, maybe like the majority of the time, you know, I just feel like if, if everything's moving all the time, then it's like, what's the point? It makes, makes it harder for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to establish that pattern of delivering, uh, on what you say you're going to deliver. And even if it's not, you know, even if it's only half the list, because like we all notoriously underestimate things, um, as long as you're at least like nailing those top priorities, I, I, I think it, yeah, it's like you have to keep doing that over time to, to keep having buy-in from everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Uh, and then the other big thing, Noah, uh, who, who's helping with support, he, or that's like his primary responsibility. He, uh, took his first vacation <laughs> since he started six months ago. Uh, I've, I've been like badgering him to take a vacation. Uh, like he hadn't taken a single day off. Uh, so he, he was off, um, part of Thursday, Friday, all day. And then, um, Monday, Tuesday this week. And that's awesome. I'm, I'm super happy for him. And so I'm back to doing support now. Mm -hmm. And I've found that I forgot that it's like, I mean, if you're a long time listener to this podcast, like you've heard me complain about customer support a lot, <laughs> uh, and, and how much time it can take. Uh, but I forgot how enjoyable it can be too. Uh, because it's like, it's just a very discreet set of work, uh, you know, smallish problems to solve most of the time. And like, it feels good. Like you're like, Oh, you know, there was six tickets in the queue and now we're down to two. Like it's very tangible. Right. Um, you're, you're, People are happy when you're, when you're helping solve their problems. Uh, and it kind of brought me back closer to the customers, which I, I, I mean, I know everyone who has been a founder that then hires someone to do customer support has gone through this where you start to feel a little bit more disconnected um, from the customer base. And yeah, just seeing the problems come in and, and seeing the questions. And uh, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's felt good. It's been a good refresher for me. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's, um, in small doses, right? <laughs> it's just not like, <laughs> I, I would assume if you like keep doing it for a week, then you're like, oh yeah, I remember why I hired someone to do this, right? But if you do it once in a while, then it feels refreshing and good. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's good in those small doses. Yeah. The big thing is, you know, it's, it's great to be able to provide that one-on-one -on -one help. Um, but it's at the expense of, me being able to work on things that are going to help, you know, thousands of our customers. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's, that's the trade off the, the time trade off. Yeah. 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 I experienced that a little bit myself the other week when I'll, I'll get into it later and some of my updates with the pricing stuff, but, uh, answering a bunch of questions and like troubleshooting with my like email bounce issues, which I think I alluded to last time we recorded, mm -hmm. uh, I think maybe I was telling you on the podcast last week or the last time, or maybe separately, like, yeah, like support is, is hard <laughs> and uh, especially <laughs> like technical support. I can even imagine like troubleshooting bugs and, uh, like debugging and really looking into, or like making, you know, code changes to fix things. Like, uh, that was a lot, but like, that was the first time I had gone through like, okay, I have a whole bunch of questions and a whole bunch of emails and it does feel good to, you know, like knock out that queue. And I think I started mm -hmm. like, when I first announced the update, um, I had like, I woke up one morning and I had like 54 emails and normally, you know, there's like four unreads <laughs> and I was like, Oh wow. And so I went, I got it all the way back down went through all of them and I was like, yeah, yep. I just mm -hmm. did a lot. <laughs> I feel good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can check right? that box. Yeah, totally. But yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's mainly what's been going on for me. Cool. I have a <clears throat> one more thought on the on my Las Vegas uh, trip, but I think I think somewhere I don't know somewhere in the middle of playing. I just had this thought, like it doesn't feel great to to lose money. So here here was like part of the. It was like in the middle of my my downswing on the last night. 
I was like, I know I'm doing things right. It's just things aren't going my way. Like someone's doing something really unorthodox or like I'm, I'm getting good price, but it's just not working out, you know, in my direction or whatever it is. And it doesn't feel great to like make the right choice and not have the right outcome. And also it doesn't feel great when you win to like just take other people's money, <laughs> which, mm. you know, like I don't really love like the money part. I just like the playing part and the strategy part. And, um, and then I was like, I was, I was like, wait, oh, it, it would feel a lot better if I could just like make the right decisions and always get the right outcomes. I could just like work for money. I was like, wait, that is what I do. <laughs> that feels great. Like this is a way better system. So like, oh yeah, you do good work. You get paid for it. And like, that's, that happens every time. It's not like one time it's like, nope, you don't get paid. Like, yep. Every time you do good work, you get paid, you know, barring your, yeah. uh, consulting or you have some sort of like input to output, you know, ratio. Um, it's not always true, but like, you're never going to be like, straight losing money because you're doing the right things. Like there's usually always a positive outcome. And uh, that was a good reminder after, uh, especially having a little bit of a downswing. But anyways, uh, in the last two weeks, I feel like a lot has happened. Um, and I have a, a few, like just like bullet points I can kind of roll through fairly quickly, but, uh, the pricing update for swipe files went through successfully and, um, it's been a great month. In fact, it's been the best month, uh, in swipe files history which is great. Uh, it really like the Monday of the last day, you know, it was just like signups were rolling in and I was like, wow, this is, this is nuts just to see how many people are signing up right now. And I was getting through all those questions, trying to get back to people in time and, um, clarifying things, making slight tweaks and changes here and there, sending their reminder emails and tweets. Um, but it's gone really, really well. And, uh, you know, like definitely like within like the, like this is as well as I could have hoped that it would have gone kind of range. And, mm. um, so now I'm excited for November, December as well, because I have another update, another pricing update coming on. And so by December 4th, it'll go from two ninety nine a year to four ninety nine, And then by then I'll have some more like course content and updates there as well. Um, and so I'm excited for that. Hopefully, I mean, I don't expect it for it to be such a drastic amount of people signing up. Um, but I expect that there will be like another kind of like at least small surge of people. And even if it's, if it's at that higher price point, then that can still have a, a pretty good outcome. Um, so it, it wasn't for, just... oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Now, as you say, it, it wasn't just people upgrading. It was also a bunch of new people as well at the new price. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of new people. Yeah. That's awesome. People. Um, in fact, the, the bummer. So the hard part of it all was that, uh, you know, some financing my, the swifels.com domain through like a really old registrar. Uh, it's through huge domains and partnership with Namebrite, And like, you look at the UI and it's like literally straight out of the nineties and, <laughs> um, halfway through, so like I sent out the update and then a bunch of people were DMing me saying that they, that their email reply bounced. I was like, that's super weird. And then it's so like, went back and forth with support, finally reached out to, to Namebrite and was like, Hey, this is going on. And they're basically like, Oh, yep, that's definitely a problem, but we can't do anything about it. We recommend that you just like switch to Google workspace instead of, so what I was doing was I was forwarding this, the swipe email to uh, one of my other um, Google workforce Google workspace, uh, like domains was my, my other like paid domain anyways. Uh, so then that was like a whole thing. Spent like two days figuring that out, switching it over. It wasn't like 16 hours worth of work, but it was, you know, it took that long to just like figure it out and then actually implement it and then test that it was working. Um, and then I also found out that member stack doesn't support one-time charges and upgrades. So I'd reached out to all the members and I was like, Hey, you can upgrade to the all access membership. And then that'll like lock you in forever. And that way I have access to the courses, whatnot. And then the people who did upgrade messaged me saying, Hey, so like I didn't get charged this amount, but like I upgraded and I was kind of just like, Oh, that's like a weird bug. And then like everyone started saying that and I was like, okay. Oh so I reached out to member stack and they're like, yeah, we don't do that yet. It's coming. Um, so I was like, whatever. 
not a huge deal. That's a nice thing to do for members. Um, but that was still like a thing that I had to deal with. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, most of, I mean, I think I added close to, I think I added, added 80, 80 members. I want to say, um, I don't wow. know the, I just had the the exact number, but it's somewhere between 70 and a hundred. So past the 400 member mark now, which feels great. Oh, nice. And, um, it's been a great revenue month. So no complaints there. Yeah. And, and, and going back to your thought on poker, I mean, that's what's <laughs> awesome about business is like, it's not a zero sum right. game. <laughs> no. So, you know, even though there, there's other, I'm sure there's other marketing communities and courses and all of that. It's like, you're, you're not really in direct competition with them. Like there's enough, you know, no, there's more people coming in every day and, and signing up for different things. And it's just like, it's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. So that, that was definitely really encouraging. Um, really, really thankful to everyone who signed up. Uh, also excited for the next update and going to continue to chug along. feels like I'm definitely on the right path. Only had like one or two people say, Hey, this is different than what I thought it was not right for me. Um, so I felt like everything has been like very on brand, what people expected, um, and moving forward there. I will say though, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you actually, because, um, I'm getting closer to default alive, but I'm still not there yet. And it's a grind. <laughs> like all this is a lot of work <laughs> and I've been at it for over a year now. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was just thinking, you know, it's not that I'm like, like tired or like burnt out, but it's just like, it, it takes some time. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was trying to remember because I couldn't think of who it was, but someone had said like, it takes an average of two years to replace your salary after like starting a business. And I was just like, oh, that's probably true for, I don't know, small business owners, like local businesses or, um, I don't know other, other types of businesses, but, but I think it's probably going to take, I don't know. I was like, maybe not two years, I guess two years technically for swipe files would be March of 2022. Maybe by then I can make it. If you were counting like two years since going full time on my own, then like, I would hope not. Cause that'd be like a whole nother year from now. But anyway, it's just a comment that, uh, it can be a grind. <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. Totally agree with that. And <laughs> I, I, I'm hesitant to even say this because uh, th this makes it even worse, but it's not only a grind getting to, you know, replacing your previous income, but then it's like, however long that took, now you also have to think about like how much you weren't earning during that period. And right. I know. So you, so you've <laughs> got to keep grinding and keep building for the next couple of years in order to make up that you know, the somewhat of a loss. Uh, I mean, myself, like yeah. I, I spent a year over a year before I started jet boost consulting part-time. Uh, so I was, you know, living off of a, basically a part-time salary, um, which, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a while to, to make up all that income. So yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. I think it was, uh, it was Pat walls, actually our friends and, uh, indie hacker legend. But, um, I think this was a, Oh yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah. The 17th. He had a tweet that I loved. And, um, cause it was like, this is like the motivating, like, okay, this is what I want to be true one day. But he, he was like, friends and family on your startup journey, $0 a month. What the F are you doing? <laughs> 1000 a month. How does this thing even make money? 3000 a month. <laughs> Why would you quit your $100,000 job to make $3,000 a month? $10,000 a month. Businesses grow? $50,000 a month. You are a genius. I knew it all along. But like, <laughs> I'm still, you know, I'm at that $3,000 a month like phase right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the timeline is different for everyone, but that's like exactly the thing, you know? I think it's, it's hard enough like with yourself, but then you're also thinking about what other people think and... Um, how are other people doing? You know, of course, like the internet always highlights the outliers, right? So it's like, 
you see all the most successful ones and you're like, why aren't I like them? And it's different mm-hmm. for everyone, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a grind. It's, um, I think that's one of the things early on, right? There isn't that like immediate input output kind of reward is it, it isn't negative. I guess maybe unless you're like you raise a bunch of VC and you're burning a high amount of money every month, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Just a comment. <laughs> I, I've been thinking about this a lot. I think the most important thing is to focus on comparing yourself to your previous self and not other people. Yeah. And I, I'm like really trying to internalize this because it's like you said, it's so easy. Social media, uh, you know, on, on indie hackers, on Hacker News, to see like the outliers, see the people who have, have, you know, at least at the surface level, seemingly like instant success or or larger successes than you have, and yeah, I always have to stop and be like, all right, well, you know, where was I a year ago? Where was I six months ago? And am I further along now? And that's really all mm-hmm. you can do. Yeah, there's an interesting too, thing too with um, so I've been kind of nerding out on this new podcasts. I've been listening to called uh, Huberman Lab. It's by a uh, ophthalmologist and neuro and professor of neurology at Stanford. It's a really smart guy named Andrew Huberman, and um, he had this really good. So Andrew Wilkinson wrote this whole tweet thread about how he was like super burnt out in August, and he tur- took a month off. Did all this like research on like dopamine and sort of how like this modern world kind of like affects the way that you work and your ability to work. And one of the like really good ones that he listened to was one of the episodes that Andrew Huberman did. So we listened to that episode about dopamine Mm. and it's essentially about how like a lot of people think that dopamine is like the pleasure chemical, but it's actually um, like the chemical currency, whatever you want to call it of anticipation and of reward, not necessarily like like pleasure or or happiness. Um, And so what can happen is that if you, if all of your dopamine comes from the anticipation of reward, like getting to default alive or making a certain amount of money or reaching a destination or milestone of some sort, and then you lose hope or things take longer than you expect to reach that thing, then the dopamine wears off. Like the anticipation essentially goes down and then you, that's when you sort of like lose steam and you lose motivation. But also normally when you reach that milestone, even if you reached it quickly, then there, then your dopamine like goes back down because you need like a new thing to strive for and anticipate and and work towards. And then it's kind of sort of like the hedonic treadmill, right? Where you're, your brain and your body and your mentality adapts and you just look towards the next thing. Like it never even happened essentially. Um, so he talks a lot about how like that's fine and you can use those to your advantage and you should at least just like be aware of that. But if you really wanted to be productive and make the most of dopamine, you should basically build a relationship with dopamine that's decoupled from the anticipation or the reward, but more about the effort towards that milestone or destination, basically like the work or the practice of whatever it is that you're doing. So if you're training for a marathon, like don't think about constantly what it'll be, it'll be like to win that marathon. And also like, don't go crazy when you win the marathon or when you lose it, you know, whichever way, but instead like learn to love the practice of, training for the marathon. And so if you're an indie hacker or a programmer or a marketer, like learn to get your dopamine, your, your happiness, your fulfillment, your motivation from the work itself. And like, but it's, it's hard to also like, you know, when it's money, it's like your livelihood. Like how do you, it's such a weird relationship anyways. Yeah. It was, it was very like a very nerdy, but really interesting, uh, exploration especially from like the lens i was looking through for sort of the journey that i'm going through right now yeah you should definitely link that in the show notes so i can go listen to it <laughs> you should it uh it, it reminds me of this book called mastery that i've read before uh they describe mm. it as being on the plateau like you have the initial gains and you know you're doing something new for the first time and and you can learn pretty quickly and and get gains pretty quickly 
and then you're just on the plateau for a long, long time yeah. before you reach mastery. Uh, it's tough. It's it, it's like even when you listen to something like that, and or, or you read something about it, and and you know that's true, and you know you know it's, it's the the journey, not the destination. It's still like so hard to put that into practice. Oh yeah, it, it's I crazy. Mean, yeah, it's immensely hard. Way way easier said than done. Um, but so I, on a related note, you know, this has all been, uh, in a similar vein to a lot of things I've been thinking about the last few months about trying to learn to enjoy the journey more and, you know, what is it that I actually like, like doing rather than sort of the, the having done it or like what it's gotten me as, as a result, as a result of doing it. And I think that especially like earlier this year, I kind of found myself in a trap of like just trying to brute force my way to a certain revenue number or just trying to get there so that I can go and do something else. And uh, especially when that thing doesn't work out, then like what else do you do? <laughs> like I could just like keep flailing around or I could double down to things that I really like. And um, I think that part of me this is also related to the podcast and I won't spoil it all, but he also talks a lot about how um, we're like overstimulated in a lot of ways. And uh, like dopamine is a finite resource that has to be replenished. And, um, and just if you're, if you're juggling too many things, then like you're just not going to have time or energy for any of them anymore. And uh, so anyways, I, I think I'm, I think I want to like, take a step back from a couple of things and double down on some other things. Uh, I think I want to take a little bit of a break from everything is marketing uh, after this year. I found myself, I also listened to this amazing podcast with Tim Ferriss about this other guy interviewing Tim about his podcast. And he talked about how like last year he was doing like six interviews a month and he found like he felt like it was becoming a chore and he didn't like it. And so he started doing three or four a month and that was like a sustainable kind of thing. But he also talks about how it's like a labor of love. And it's funny because earlier in the year or maybe even, I mean, probably around this time last year, I was talking about starting everything as marketing and how my hope for it was to be like the big top of funnel driver of awareness, which is so funny because like now, I'm like, why would I, why would I even like, I should have known better. Like that's the exact opposite of what a podcast does. Like it's not a discovery <laughs> tool. It's not an acquisition tool. It's a retention and engagement tool. And, um, it's not that I haven't enjoyed it, but I think that it's the wrong thing for me right now. And, um, and because of that, I am tired of it. Mm. Uh, and I, I'm not very like motivated to, like just keep doing it because it, it does take a lot of work and a lot of time. And you, even just doing one interview kind of like uh, uses all the productivity I have stored up for a day. Cause it's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and I think that this whole like niching down to SAS has really helped. And that's given me a lot more motivation and clarity and, back to the things that I really enjoy, which is creating courses and writing the newsletter. Um, and I think I just want to like keep on that and like not tack on too many th more things to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that I've, I was sort of thought that like on my way driving back, of course, the long drives always <laughs> kind of spur out these like thoughts maybe that have been kind of looming around for a while and you finally put words to them. But that was one of the things that I kind of came away with after, after that whole, after letting it marinate for a while, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I know you put a ton of hours into researching, you know, your guests' careers and, uh, you know, what they've worked on and, and who they are and what they're about. And, um, you know, that that's definitely showed in the podcast episodes, but I know that's, that's a lot of work to do and, maybe it's not the right focus area for you right now. Yeah, I don't think so. I think later I would like to get back to it and or, you know, tweak it a little bit, have some more energy for it. But right now, yeah, I just don't think it's the right thing. 
Yeah. Um, and I just don't have the energy for it. And I, I want to put the energy I do have towards things I am more excited about. Um, one of those things also is, uh, I've been exploring some more like premium long-term sponsorship opportunities for swipe files. So I've had two calls with two really good fit companies that I think are both pretty promising. The idea is to recruit like two to four kind of like, um, I guess like premium sponsors who would basically commit to sponsoring for the entire year and it would kind of span across all the swipe files channels and assets for the newsletter and community, my Twitter, um, what I was thinking would be also the podcast. Uh, but I don't think that that's a huge value point and, or good ROI for me, like having to, especially having to be on the hook for it of delivering mm-hmm. that as a part of, um, a sponsorship opportunity like that. Um, one, I'm excited for those because I think that'll get me closer to default alive. Um, but two, I think that's also, it's just like another additional thing that I can do. That's not that much more work for me, but it's one helpful for members. And two, I think that is actually really helpful for the sponsors themselves, just getting like a more long-term uh, play. So I'm like actively today, I spent most of my day working on like a kind of like pitch deck of sorts <laughs> that I'll, I'll sort of <laughs> talk over in a zip message and send over to a few people. Um, I need to follow up with the two that I've already had conversations with, but that's, uh, in the works TBD. Um, and then one other thing, I think I mentioned the last time that I was vetting a lawyer for a project. So I want to clarify, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> I had a couple of, a couple of people DM me like, Hey, if you need a lawyer, you know, I have someone like, depending on what you're going through, I was like, Oh no, no. Like it's, it's, it's a good thing. <laughs> it's not a, not any sort of issue, but, um, I talked to a whole bunch, lots of them were very nice, but I'm moving forward with one who I've been very impressed with. So uh, more on that later, probably not anytime soon. Um, it's probably the last time I mentioned it for a while, but I uh, appreciate everyone who has reached out with good recommendations. And uh, I think I have found someone who's, who's well aligned with what I'm looking for. Awesome. Hopefully we'll get to hear more about that soon. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully soon-ish and not too yeah. late. But uh, yeah. TBD on that. Cool. Yeah. Any other updates, news, things top of mind for you? Uh, yeah. One other topic I wanted to touch on. I'm I'm not sure if you saw this. Uh, and shout out to uh, Visual Dev FM. Uh, I heard this on their podcast. Uh, so, you know, bubble, the, the no code builder, uh, of course, apparently they put out like a, uh, basically like a, a community update post every single month. Um, they post that in their forums for their, their users, their, uh, customers, which I think is really cool. Like that level, like, uh, so I went and read this post and like the, the level of detail and transparency is like very, very high. Um, and so anyways, like basically there's been sort of the, uh, some, I don't know if rumors are the right word. Like it's been kind of well known that bubble has been working on, uh, a version 2.0 of their editor interface to make it more, I would say Webflow like, um, because bubble is very, it's a very powerful tool. It has things built in natively um, that a lot of other tools don't, including Webflow. Um, uh, we used to do a lot more uh, backend type stuff. Um, but the main complaint about Bubble has been their their UI builder, their UI editor is is not as strong. Um, so anyways, I, I was reading this post and, and we should definitely link to it because it's, it's really an interesting read. Um, but what they said was, you know, they started this, I don't know, uh, maybe earlier this year thought it would take a few months and, uh, or, or they'd have the alpha by June and, you know, here we are in October, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and, and there's no alpha yet. And what they said was like, they were trying to build this 2.0, uh, in parallel with shipping updates to the, you know, the editor that's currently in production. And this is like, and they admit this, this is like the classic thing that 
you don't want to do in software because it's really, really hard. Um, hmm. It's really hard to rewrite software. It's really hard to reach feature parity with, uh, you know, a, a software application that's still live. Um, and the, the, it was... I guess the reason I want to bring it up, because for me, it was kind of good timing because uh, I would say we've completed the 1.0 JetBoost. Uh, like it has all the sort of basic features you would expect that kind of work together and, um, you know, provide enhancements for the Webflow CMS. And that took about two years. And I've learned a lot in two years about Webflow, about how to integrate with it, about how people use it. Uh, and so like there has, there's been this pull in the back of my mind of like, well, we could redo everything and do it so much better. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this too. Like, like Noah and I have had talks about this. Like there are, even him using it, like there are complaints he has uh, and, and they're valid complaints. Um, ways that JetBoost doesn't necessarily uh, integrate so well with Webflow uh, in, in certain areas. And it was just kind of like, there was good timing for me to read this because I'm like, yeah, it, as much as like, I want to rip everything out, start over, you know, build, have that like perfectly clean foundation. Uh, it's like, it's almost never a good idea. So hmm. uh, yeah. I'm trying to keep that in mind. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, yeah. We've talked about it before, but MemberStack has been going through their mm. 2.0 build. Mm -hmm. I was actually just looking last night at a couple of updates because I'm thinking um, most of my like software subscriptions are annual and they're supposed to renew in December. So I'm kind of like coming close to like, all right, what do I need? What do I not need for the next year? Everything's on the table always. So just looking at stuff and... Uh, and this is not a knock on them necessarily, but just another sort of anecdote for, uh, for example, in December, early December of last year in 2020, they announced the 2.0 build. And then in, I think March, maybe someone asked like, Hey, any ATA? And he was like, well, hopefully, you know, sometime this year, I can't imagine it'd take any more than nine months and it's 10 months, <laughs> you know, now, <laughs> or maybe even 11 months, depending on how you count it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the classic startup stuff, right? Of like, it always takes longer than you think. Um, you know, there's always like the, the pole of refactoring. Um, mm -hmm. you always think you can like perfect it the next time and then it never is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I get it. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. There's even, there's a little bit of that, I think, with me wanting to re-record all the old videos for the courses, because now they're coming mm. up on their two-year anniversary, and I'm like, oh, like, I I feel like I should, mm -hmm. even though I, I know that they're probably, like, 85%, like, good. Like, I don't need to, like, really change a whole lot fundamentally about them. It's more just, like, slight updates, slight additions. Um, maybe make some of the presentations a little bit tighter, a little bit more illustrative. Um, so the, yeah, I'll, I'll keep that in mind too, as I think about <laughs> recording everything. Yeah. It's also like, do you want to do all that work over again? It's, it's I know pretty That's hard. hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, Marie Poulin from Notion Mastery was telling us in our, in our mastermind that she's been like all this year working on basically like her next version of her course. And, uh, it's a huge thing. I mean, she's going through and redoing everything from scratch. I know, uh, Tiago Forte from building a second brain has gone through like five different iterations of the cohort based course. And like every year they kind of like re they start from scratch, they redo everything. Um, and yeah, it takes a lot. Yeah. Okay, well, you've been warned. <laughs> you've <both> been warned. <laughs> yeah. Founders beware. Oh, <laughs> cool. Anything else All for right, you? Well, 
No, I don't think so. Um, trying to remember or think if there's anything else I can drum up. But uh, yeah, good to catch up. Lots of new things. Um, hopefully lots more to share uh, in the future as well. But I feel like I'm kind of over the hill on you know, the, the update with, with the pricing on the membership and then getting some more clarity about what I want to do before the end of the year. And so, um, yeah, I think that's it for me today. Yeah. Can we just go back to that? Now I'm still trying to understand this. So you made the pricing announcement and did, and that drove new people or, or like, where did all the new people come from? Yeah, because it was basically like, hey, the pricing is going to change in a week. Sign up before the price triples oh. and you can lock in the discounted price forever. Sorry, I should have okay. made that more clear. So basically, if you're a member of Swipe Files today, you can get that. You can keep that price, membership price, forever. It's your uh, it's legacy pricing. I try to avoid grandfathering because that's a kind of a gross term that has some weird roots. But that's like, you know, what people, you know, like that's what people understand essentially. So mm -hmm. you're grandfathered. And so it, it basically people can, people could sign up before I made the update and then they could lock that in. And I think that created a lot of urgency. Got it. The $99 a year renewal fee. Okay. And then I also offered a half off the all access. It was, it was basically it was one ninety nine once and then 99 a year after that forever. Now everyone going forward, it's two ninety nine a year. Uh, and then on December 4th, it'll go up to $4.99 a year. And I'll run that same playbook of, hey, in a week, it's going up by 200 bucks a year. Lock it in now. Um, you know, sign up before the state. And uh, and that definitely creates a lot of, you know, a lot of movement. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that with some courses too, where it's like either they do the first, you know, X number of people or until this date it's this price and then it doubles and then doubles again or whatever. And yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely creates urgency. That, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I appreciate your feedback as well as from the creator mastermind around, I was thinking about kind of bumping it up by a hundred bucks a year every month until I reached 500 bucks a year. Um, but the problem is that it's too complicated to really like communicate all that much. Um, I think it would just like burn out my list a lot. And also it doesn't, it doesn't, I think when you're like constantly telling people you're constantly creating urgency, then like the urgency eventually wears off and goes away. And so if it was like constantly a reminder that the price is going up, then it's like, okay, well I'll just do it the next time. Or I'm never going to do it because now the price has gone up so many times that I don't ever actually ever want to sign up for the end price. Um, so I think that by, by having like a bigger bump, not giving people a ton of notice and then like spreading it out until the next increase, that is like kind of the, the right combination of ingredients needed to, mm. um, to actually get people to act each time you make the, the increase. That makes sense. Cause it would basically be like, Hey, the price is going up by hundred bucks in a week. And then three weeks later, they get the same email. Hey, the price is going up by a hundred bucks in a week. And then three weeks later again. So it's just like, it's way too fast. And mm -hmm. it's, it starts to feel kind of manufactured and, mm -hmm. and sleazy. So for JetBoost, we are thinking about some pricing changes. Um, my thought was it would only affect, uh, anyone who signed up after a certain date, but I'm curious if you think it would be better to, you know, send out that email that says, Hey, here's the pricing changes. Uh, if you're on these plans before this date, then you'll keep the old pricing. So basically if someone, let's say the pricing changes December 1st, if someone signed up before December 1st, but hasn't actually subscribed to a plan yet, would they get the old pricing or the new pricing? 
Oh, I was thinking right. they would get the old pricing because they were signed up before the change. Hmm. Well, this depends because I'm, I've historically been very against uh, grandfathering slash legacy kind of locked in mm-hmm. pricing for SaaS. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do that for, for swipe files because I feel like it's a little bit different. Um, since it's content and since I didn't want to create a lot of churn, uh, then I, I didn't think it made a lot of sense for me to, to not grandfather and not have legacy pricing for members. Um, and I ultimately, you know, I'm not like capping the revenue, like is fine with me to a certain degree. Like I'm completely fine with everyone being a member today at their price, having that price forever because at the end of the day there isn't a lot that they can take advantage of and i'm not i'm not going to change swipe files so drastically in the future where i feel like they're getting way too good of a deal mm-hmm. for SaaS, i feel like i don't know if it actually I, I feel like it's under the same kind of umbrella as lifetime pricing because you're essentially giving someone uh, a lifetime deal it's just not a one-time price it's a there's still a, a recurring price there but now you you can't ever increase the price on them again like what if i don't know you just don't know like where the product is going and how things mm-hmm. change with support or with the offering and all the different dynamics of how you actually price it you know based on sites and plans and features and security and support and any other kind of value metric you want in there um so I'm kind of in a very roundabout way saying maybe maybe don't grandfather or use legacy pricing. And the the thing I always recommend for people, for SaaS founders in particular, is to um to just give people like a really long time until so basically it'd be like instead of, hey, December first, the price is going up, you know, sign up before then to lock it in forever, it's mm-hmm. hey, the price is going up. But if you sign up before then, you can keep this price for a year. And then it's going to go up to the normal price. So you mm. can subscribe for you know an annual plan and or if you sign up before then, you know, this is only going to well basically like delay it for a year and we won't actually change it for you until your next cycle or from a, a year from now. We're just changing it for new customers until a year from now. Um I don't know what you think mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. So here, here's the, the hard part about it is I think that some of the other, the, the thing you want to do is you don't want to just like pull a price out of thin air and like, a, especially like a untested, unproven price point. So you sort of do have to change the pricing without it affecting current customers until you find the right price and then you start that kind of domino effect. Um, so you can start handing it out to new customers and nothing changes for existing customers until you like officially choose that new pricing strategy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that more aligns with my thinking It's sort of like wanting to, not necessarily just like change pricing for the sake of changing pricing, but like experimenting with pricing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and sort of seeing how it affects things. And um, yeah, because like you said, I mean, it, the pricing we have is essentially the same pricing we've had for two years. And the product is drastically different, not just in features, but also, you know, other things you mentioned like security and, um, support and uh, everything else that goes along with it. So yeah, it's good. It's, it's good to keep in mind. Yeah. I mean, like if, if we really wanted to get into kind of nitty gritty of just like why I don't think it's good practice is it just boils down to one thing, inflation. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God, I ma- just had that in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> like if, I mean, if nothing else, just think yeah. like, if in 20 years I was still charging on the same price, would I <laughs> be mad or, or happy? 
And the answer is basically always mad because you know that costs are always <laughs> going to go up. And if your prices can never change because you promised customers for whatever arbitrary reason that they'll never go up, then you just shot yourself in the foot. And so I feel like you yeah. always need to give yourself the flexibility of being able to change prices. Yeah. I thought, dude, yeah, like SAS and inflation, it's, it's, it's like everything else you sort of expect to, you know, I pay a couple more bucks for a haircut now than I did two years ago and uh, for a right. cup of coffee and for food. And, uh, yeah, for some reason you, that like doesn't always happen in SAS. I know. I feel like SAS is like the last one to really like the last thing you really see the inflation effects of because like I even in the last couple of months I've noticed uh the dog food that we buy it used to be um 6.99 a pack now it's 8.99 a pack and so <laughs> I went from 6.99 to uh to 7.99 to like 7.69 no no, no 7.99 and then to 8.69 and now it's 8.99 and I was like the other day I was just like, wait, I thought this was cheaper. And then I looked <laughs> back on like past bills and like it was, um, but there's nothing I can do about that now. And I get it cause it's inflation. Same thing with, um, like I said, like drinks or food, like Chipotle. I just noticed like they add like another 10 cents every couple months or whatever. And now chicken is $8 and 40 cents. And it was like seven fifty a year ago or something. But in software, like if you change your price from $10 to $11, like there's a whole revolt. <laughs> customers right, complaining right. and how dare you. And yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. There. Oh, here, here's a great example. I think I talked about this in, uh, in the course in Refactoring Growth. But I had talked to a Barometrics customer once who I was offering like a free pricing strategy session and uh, so I sat down with them. It was a mobile app, but it was for businesses. I think it was a, I believe it was a time tracking app. And um, so I asked him what his price was. And he said that it was $2 per user. I thought, wow, like, is that like cheap or is that expensive compared to competitors? Kind of knowing the answer that it was very cheap. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, uh, you know, we launched in 2008. We were one of the first apps on the app store um, on the iPhone, you know, marketplace when it first launched. And we haven't changed prices since. And I was like, you, oh, like you realize <laughs> that you've been missing out on a ton of money, right? <laughs> I was like, just increase the, the price by a dollar. And I can almost guarantee you that nothing is going to happen and that no one is going <laughs> to complain, but you will increase revenue by 50%. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, after that, I was like, wait a second. I don't think this makes sense. Like you always have to increase your prices. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. All right. So well, yeah, I mean that that that's where I stand. I am Yeah. Um I mean maybe this will again, if I did the litmus test of in 20 years would I still be you know, would I, would I be mad at myself for promising that people can keep their 99 bucks a year subscription? Maybe. Um but I think given for like given the content and what I'm doing and who I'm doing it for, and that only really needs to support me. I'm, I'm fine with that. That, that is a trade off I'm willing to make, but I don't know if that ever makes sense for a SaaS business in particular. Mm-hmm. I think, it, I think you also have done it early enough that like, yeah, 20 years from now, that would be a tiny group of people compared to the overall customer base. Yeah. Of course, there's always the counterexample, like Costco, who still serve $1.49 hot dogs. <laughs> uh, there's always the outliers. I was going to say um, card. Right, right. Yeah, card. Uh, 19 bucks a year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if there's other software that are kind of like relics like that. Um, maybe some of the OGs like WordPress or some hosting services or something like that. But I don't know. I I just feel like I mean, there's other things with barometrics where, you know, that like they had made a pricing change, but then they didn't roll it out to everyone for whatever reason. 
And then now it's like, okay, well, you can't just like start charging that customer more if you never told them that you were going to. And then like what, five years after you made the pricing change, you're going to be like, oh, whoops. <laughs> now I have to charge you 10 times more. <laughs> like yeah. it's such an awkward thing. Um, so yeah, I, anyways. Yeah. Well, I will uh, report back in a future episode on, on how it goes. Okay. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll remember that one. We'll, <laughs> we'll definitely check in on that again. Cool. All right. Well, All right, we'll man. have uh, links in the show notes. Um, the Andrew Wilkinson tweet, the Andrew Huberman podcast, the bubble update posts. Anything else that we're missing? That's all I can remember now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll link to, uh, oh, the SWI files update. I can, I'll link to uh, the email that I sent out so people can see in case they're wondering. All right. Until cool. next time.